Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Daniel Erickson. Daniel is the founder and CEO of Viable, an AI analytics tool that enables businesses to instantly access and act on valuable insights from customer feedback, saving them hundreds of hours spent analyzing feedback. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks for having me. No, it's my pleasure. This is exciting. So basically, in a traditional way, we would have to go through, we have to create a table, for example, a database and take all the reviews, create columns, find out what the weak points are, put them together and then improve our services or product. Correct? So this way, what they could do is your AI can actually organize everything and give you a report but I'll let you provide or elaborate on it, please. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, the way it works is we hook up to a bunch of different data sources like Zendesk and Intercom or, or even survey sources like NPS or CSAT or product market fit surveys that you're running, or even things like you mentioned, app store reviews, product reviews on Amazon, basically any kind of text that your customers are writing to you or about you, we aggregate into one place enrich that with uh, with uh, additional metadata. Is this a complaint? Is it a compliment? Is it a question? Is it a request? And then we actually cluster all of those things together to analyze it and actually tell you what the themes are within that, within that data set. And then for each one of those themes, we do a deep analysis and actually write a full four paragraphs of, of actual written analysis on those themes. So we can tell you like your top complaint is that your pricing is too much. And this is what people are saying about it. Or your hmm. top compliment is that people really love the onboarding experience or whatever it ends up being. And then we can actually dig in and tell you like, why do people say that? What are people actually saying about that? What's the most common reasons for the thing? So most of these analytic or these analysis pieces of software can actually just tell you what's going on. Viable actually tells you why. Oh, so to find out what's going on, but actually give you an answer why, so you can actually improve your products and service way more efficiently. Exactly. Yep. Um, so, so instead of looking at a like a sentiment graph or something, right? I don't know if you've ever stared at a sentiment graph before, but if you look at it and you look at that and you say like, all right, looks like my sentiment is 73.2%. And you look at that and you're like, okay, I guess that's good, but what do I do with that? Whereas if you've got something like viable, we don't tell you things like your sentiment is 73.2%. We will tell you things like 300. Can you explain of, the sentiment just for everyone oh yeah, yeah. that so doesn't sentiment know? Sentiment in natural language processing, sentiment charts are things like you can feed in, say, all of your social media mentions, and it'll give you some sort of positive or negative score for each one of those. You okay. Know, this is a positive tweet. This is Analyzing tweet. the data. Exactly. So there's tools out there that, that have let got you do this sentiment analysis for a while now. But we take this like many steps further past just sentiment analysis and go into actual root cause analysis for that sentiment. It's more dynamic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Not just more dynamic, but also more detailed. 
Yeah. Instead of just giving you a score and then you have to figure out, okay, why is it? Why do people think it's good? Or why do people think it's bad? We can actually give you those reasons why. Can you share like an example of a customer or a client without naming names, just run it down for us, how they were before this product, AI, and then what happened with them after? Yeah, absolutely. So we have one of the, one of the smart lock companies is one of our, our customers and they pipe in their Zendesk data along with, along with like app store reviews and things like that. We then structure all that, all of that data before, before what they were doing. So before they, they had viable, they spent 18 hours a week, just reading through this stuff, tagging it with talking about this pain point or this feature. These are, this is the persona of that, of that customer. And then they'd go through and they once a quarter or something like that, go read through all of those, those things again, put them together for quarterly planning and understand what they need to do to, to improve there. But they were spending, if you add that up, that's like just under a thousand hours a year spent just reading through this stuff and not even actually taking action on it yet. With, with Viable, they have reduced that to just about 10 minutes a week. Nice. Yeah. So now they take, they get this report that we've, that we've sent them. We've identified the themes that are in that report. So we can tell them things like you've got a Bluetooth from on, on the smart lock or people are having troubles changing their, their access codes or all of those kinds of things. We can just automatically identify from those, those data sets. And so far, every single report that we've sent them, they found something to take action on. That is incredible. Yeah. Now, when, how did you come up with this? I know there's a, a trend, it might not a trend, but it's the future artificial intelligence, right? Was it something that you were like trying to figure out, what do we do with artificial intelligence in my field? Or is there another story behind, like, how did it come up with this concept? Yeah. So it was actually a little bit of a winding road to get here. We, we, mm -hmm. so I never start from technology first and then build a product around a technology. I always have a product in mind that I'm trying to build and then find the right technology to build it. So we happened to, we happened to find the right technology for this one, but we actually started with a slightly different, a slightly different sort of approach and a different product that we were going for. So we started the company back in January of 2023 or sorry, January of 2020. And we actually had a focus on early stage companies first. Um, we were going to help early stage companies find product market fit. And that's actually what we started the company to do. We started by actually building a productized version of the superhuman product market fit process. So superhuman is a email client and they have, they have a process that they run to measure and improve their own product market fit, which is basically sending a survey out. It asks like at least four questions and three of those are open-ended text. So people can just write whatever they want. Uh, and then you're supposed to go through and read through all of those, do that sort of manual tagging process that I was talking about earlier, and then use that to guide your roadmap. I found that many people were using this, this methodology, but not many people were sticking with it because it was so time intensive to do that tagging. Back in January, 2020 or 20 of 2020, we realized that natural language processing could actually start to rival humans at that tagging task. So we started with this product market fit product, launched that, and then quickly realized that the more data you have, the more valuable the tool is, which means. Starting with pre-product market fit startups was not the right, the right sort of place to, to begin there. So we started to move up market and we realized that 80% of data collected by enterprise companies is unstructured text. It's stuff like I mentioned before, app store reviews, survey responses, NPS stuff, like all of this stuff is, uh, is just coming in like a, a deluge that they just can't handle. 
there's hundreds of thousands of data points a month that these customers are getting. So yeah, they, we quickly realized that moving up market was the way to go and moving away from the product market fit product and towards a general, a generalized service to help any company understand their customers better. So yeah, we, we basically started on just a really niche audience there and then quickly realized growing that sort of the larger audiences uh, was the way to go. Excellent. But that artificial intelligence actually being utilized in many different variables when it comes to technology, where do you see it going? Absolutely. We're in, we're in the middle of a revolution right now on, on the AI side of the world. And it's really started back in, in June, roughly of 2020, when, a, when OpenAI first launched the GPT-3 API. We were one of the first companies that got access to it. So it was really cool to be able to play around with it back then. And it really did help guide us towards, towards this current solution that we have. So we, yeah, I really do believe that, that if you're not really, if you're not taking AI into account right now, when you're building a product, you're probably doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. AI is here to stay. Uh, and it is a, it is much more capable than it has been in the past. And we're just getting started as well. So I think in the future, literally all software will have an AI foundation, not just features tacked on as AI around, around the outside. So if you're not mm, built, the foundation will be yes, AI. Yes. Which means there's a, so huge, if you, there's a huge number of opportunities sorry. right now because there's so many pieces of software out there that doesn't have AI at the foundation. And all of those are going to have to be rebuilt. So if you dumb it down, right, AI, I haven't really actually went into it much or researched it, but I get to, to learn from you guys when you come on the show. What is an audience? There must be people that, that are not 100% aware of it as well and how the workings are. Can you dumb it down like artificial intelligence? Is this a language or is this a... a, a all previous language that has been designed in a way to self-sufficiently think. I'm not sure. Can you explain? Sure. So there, there, there's an open question around, are these things thinking or not? And yeah. for the most part, it's, <laughs> it's like the experts are all saying no at this point, right? At this, this, point. this is still very much just statistical inference. So basically it's given some set of, of words or some previous set of tokens is really the word for it. It tries to predict what the next tokens are. In most applications for this, that means words, right? So things like given a paragraph of text, try to complete that paragraph of text and add more, add more language to that or answer questions about it, that kind of thing. So basically the way that this AI works is you take a large amount of training data can be documents from the internet. It could be images in, in some cases, if you're like building an avatar startup or something like that, but you need a large amount of input training data to train these big models up. In fact, GPT-3 has been trained on terabytes of this stuff. Just a, ma a massive amount of words have gone into GPT-3 to train it to basically write like a human does. And these large language models are these new foundational models that we're talking about. And we're starting to see applications outside of language even. We've got, we've got the standard language completion stuff, but now we've also got stuff on the, uh, the image side. So Midjourney, Dolly, and, and those kinds of things are all generating images now, starting to see some stuff around audio and video as well. So we're starting to see the same architecture work across so many different mediums that it's going to start unlocking a bunch of really cool capabilities that our computers just have not been able to do in the past. 
So I can do, I can go in further if you'd like on the, the technical details there. But uh, no, that's, that's kind good. of an overview that's, of how it works. Yeah, it's a good overview. I heard about this AI tool for music artists. I came across it through a WhatsApp group I'm in some friends and they shared it and I checked it out. It blew my mind. You basically can create no copyrighted original with the beats, with the song, with everything. Just have a basic idea of the, what you want to say and it does everything for you. It pops out a song and then you can actually promote it like you're an artist now. Like, what is that going to do? That's yeah. like that. Content creation just going to open up a huge different world. Indeed. Yeah. Content creation just got a, a whole lot easier for to get to that sort of like rough draft level of, of content. And so we're starting to see just a huge increase in AI generated like blog posts, ad copy. We're going to start seeing actual like probably commercial videos and, and audio as well. So all of that stuff is coming in the next few years. And I just thought of it that there could be a tool for basically for podcasters that that want to start a podcast they just go in a tool they find an avatar they put maybe their own picture or whatever and say hey pop me 100 episodes right on, on specific <laughs> topics and puppet heads right just talking and mm -hmm. creating the video and you publish like that's it is getting very close to, to possible to be doing to do something like that yeah. um, which it's is a good uh, idea i don't know man. yeah <laughs> just yeah, keep to buy it, it definitely is the it's interesting because you're always going to need to with things the way they are right now, anyway, you're probably going to want to review each one of those before publishing and things like that, yes. uh, just to make sure you're not lying to your audience and, and things like that. Yeah. These things can, what is called hallucinate, which basically means it has a internal model of the world and it's not always accurate. So sometimes it'll output things that are just not true. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have to either manually review the output of these things or do what we have at Viable and create automated review processes for the generations after. So can you talk about that automated version? How do, what do you mean by automated? Yeah. So we actually have multiple models that we run here at Viable. So not only are we generating that analysis and, and creating the, the actual written analysis there, but we yeah. then run that, that generated analysis through a, a series of, of other models that can go in and check to see whether or not it's accurate or not. Fact uh, check. Exactly. So we basically have a, a like a, a hmm. rough draft writer, we have an editor, and then we've got a fact checker. You can almost think of it like a team of AIs working together to build this report. Amazing. But it's pulling a lot of it from the internet. It's, it's, the it's, it does use some of this from the, from the base trading data in, in GP3 itself, which yeah. is a lot of stuff that you can find on the internet and a lot of proprietary data that, that OpenAI has put together as well. Yeah. It doesn't have access to the internet. It can't go out and crawl the internet and go find new information. So it only has yeah. the data in it that has been trained into it. Um, you know, the way that Viable works is we actually pipe all of that data that we've collected for our customers into other models, basically, to pipe in as input data into GPT-3 so that it can mm. find stuff. So that idea that I just had about the podcast is unethical in, in nature, but that's the scary part because if this technology grows and becomes smarter, <clears throat> there are going to be loopholes where people are going to take advantage of it, right? That's going to affect people that are doing the real stuff, like we are, for example. Yeah. <laughs> it's, going to, it's going to affect, there is going to be a feeling that I have is there's going to be 
some clashes. Definitely. We're actually already starting to see that on the image side. Really? There's, with a lot of the image generators out there that are where you can type in a prompt, give me a, a, give me a picture of a unicorn on the moon and it'll actually generate a picture of the unicorn on the moon. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah. a lot of these were trained on, on images that were just found on the internet. And a lot of them have been proven to actually include copyrighted works in those training data sets. And there's an open question whether or not that is fair use of the copyright. Yeah. Um, so there's actually some Midjourney and, and a handful of other stable diffusion as well. These are two different uh, image generation yeah. pieces of software. Fair there. use. Yeah. Fair so there's, there's a big argument right now about what is that fair use? Where's yeah. the line for AI fair use? And there's a couple of different lawsuits that are actually happening right now. Oh, really? Uh, that will help us determine whether or not it is indeed fair use to do it that way. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting for, I could see it helping in health, avoiding some serious health conditions, for example, when people analyze yep. data. For example, autism, there's a lot of data in autism, right? So AI could probably help in that. So there's a lot of areas that it could do good, but there's also the evil side too, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch ChatGPT on, on both the legal and the med medical side, actually. So ChatGPT is the latest version of the models from, from OpenAI. You can actually play around with it today if you wanted to go to just, I think it's chat.openai.com. But it's a very effective tool for just exploring sort of any sort of knowledge you want. But a couple of people have tried to figure out which kinds of tests this thing can pass. And so far, it has passed the bar in three states, and it has passed the U.S. medical exam as well. <laughs> yeah, my, my cousin was sharing some screenshots that he did, and he, he entered some random stuff. I can't remember exactly, but he says, he asked some creative stuff, and then it came back. He created poems really like mm -hmm. nice stuff. Like you would think that is a, some expert that put it all together. It sounded so good and it was all AI. So it just took me one click. Yep. <laughs> so that's what's coming. And that's why I think that there's this wow. sort of new foundation that needs to be built into basically every service we have out there, because yeah. this is a step change and in, in computing ability. This is yeah. as big, if not bigger than when the iPhone first came out. Uh, I hope the big guys like Google and them, they're definitely probably looking at it. Oh, very much. I think OpenAI has kicked, kicked Google into high gear here after ChatGPT and T launched. You can tell they scrambled. In fact, I, I hear that they brought the founders back to head uh, their oh, AI. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Yeah, it would be a smart move. This is incredible, Daniel. Where do you think you're going to take this? Are you going to broaden this into other aspects as well? In yeah, business, absolutely. are you sticking to reviews? Yeah, so we we actually had, we have a very broad use case here. Our main use case still tends to be product teams where we pull in app store reviews and survey responses and that kind of thing and then help them use that to guide their roadmap. But we're starting to see usage in other teams. An interesting one is HR. So we found recently that our system doesn't just work on customer feedback. It also works on employee feedback. Oh. If you're doing any sort of- But it uh, would though, game, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a generalized yeah. service. Yeah. We're not doing any sort of like fine tuning for a customer yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it just worked. And it was one of those where one of our customers was like, we're using this for product and we're doing a ton of surveys for our customers. We just did a, a employee engagement survey and we've got 50,000 people in North America that took this thing. We have 13 open-ended questions on that. So you do the math. That's like 
a ton to read through. They were going to pay a team of, I think, eight people for two months to read through all of this stuff. And then they realized, wait, Bible can do this for us. So we had it, we had it back to them in like 72 hours. Incredible. Yeah. Daniel, this is wonderful. Can you share with us what your innermost superpower is that got you to this point in life? Oh man. So I would say persistence. Mm, I, think I with, love that. Uh, with, with entrepreneurship, it's, it's a roller coaster and it's, it's a marathon of a roller coaster. So you're just sitting in that seat going for full bore forward, up, uphill, downhill through the loops, and you just got to stick with it. And really, I think that the, that's probably the most important skill for a, an entrepreneur or a founder to, to cultivate is just strap in, you're in for the long haul. Yeah, that's great. That's a great superpower. That's wonderful. You're going places. Appreciate you coming on the show, Daniel, and sharing this message, doing good work. As anyone that can help businesses do a better job and do better for their customers, it's just going to make everyone a little bit happier. So Absolutely. it's, it's, it's definitely appreciated. Keep going. Thanks for your time audience thank you so much for joining us again today with daniel here his information is going to be in the show notes check out his creation see if you can utilize in your business or think of also some ideas for artificial intelligence it could be something that you're doing right now which you can create that makes life easy for you but also thousands, millions of other people and is be a problem finder. Find a problem and then the solution, look around AI because I'm sure you'll find some great ideas. And when you do, make sure you connect with us. We'll love to have you on the show. Thank you so much and thank you, Daniel. Thanks for having me. It was great.